Bobby, did you watch Panthers Cardinals this week? I did. I did watch that game. Then you saw, incredibly, for the second time in a month, an NFL quarterback stole the bit that I was going to use for Chatter Up. A few weeks ago, it was Russell Wilson going through an entire game for the game. This time, it's freaking Cam Newton. I was going to get on this pod and just scream at the top of my lungs, I'm back. We're back, baby. <laughs> Chatter Up's back. And I feel like I can't do it now. Cam stole my, stole my thunder. He stole your bit, man. I think I think you need to personally. We need to get him on here to like hash yeah. this out. Him and Russell Wilson. We'll have a nice conversation. We'll just we'll, you know we'll hash it out. Yeah, we need to find a good attorney who can trademark this stuff for us. If you have one, let us know. But in the meantime, we will talk Cam and his return to the NFL and all the big storylines of Week Ten, the emergence and the rise of the New England Patriots, maybe the reincarnation of the Chiefs. Are they back? We'll talk about it the enigma that is the AFC North, Bobby's favorite event. Maybe, I mean, I'm talking about of the, of the last six weeks, and that includes the birth of his child, Washington beating Tampa yes. and Tom Brady. I mean, I, I don't know if it gets any better than that for Bobby. Russell Wilson in Seattle. We'll, do, we'll, talk, we'll talk some NBA, and maybe most importantly of all, bring back an oldie but a goodie. Could it work, Bobby? One thing is for sure, this episode absolutely 100% positively works jared i'm in the midst of what will be a week-long raging party uh in celebration of washington taking down tom brady if you are somebody who would like to join me in that celebration please hit us up on twitter or on instagram at chatter underscore up shoot me an email at chatterpodcast at gmail.com and of course rate review and subscribe that is what is most helpful we super appreciate it. Jared, are you ready to join the party? Because it's it's we got a long way to go. We're back. Let's do this thing, man, and let's chatter up. Jared, how much value do you put into early season predictions? They're the only things that matter then you and I need to stop talking about sports because nothing we say is ever right ever. This is like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how wrong we've been about football this year and actually a lot of other things, but man, we got to stop making these early season predictions. We just got to like say real neutral. You think we should stop betting on these predictions too? I think it's probably best that we stop betting on sports completely and start betting on everything. It's just, it's, it's not working out for us, man, but we got a lot to talk about this week. I, I mean, let's, let's do it. Well, I'll tell you, Bobby, you're not wrong in anything that you just said, but we can take some comfort in the fact that I think half the world, if not more, was just as wrong, if not more wrong than we were about the goings on in the national football league week 10, nearly in the books, barring tonight's Rams 49ers game, Bobby. We'll stick with this theme that we've basically had for, I would say, close to a month now, where we start by talking about an AFC team that we hadn't talked about before and that is now a contender. This week, it's the New England Patriots, Bobby. Somehow, the Patriots are a half game behind the Buffalo Bills for first place in the AFC East. They're firmly ensconced as a playoff contender. Bobby, are the Pats in year one of the Mac Jones era a legitimate threat to at least overtake Buffalo and win that division. No, no, they're not. No. Wow. Right off the bat. I, look, they are an extremely well-coached team. That was never in doubt. That was never in doubt last year. 
that was never in doubt any year, right? Bill Belichick's one of the greatest ever. Yep. Mac Jones is a good quarterback, but we have not seen anything extraordinary from him. He's good. I've been, I mean, for, for a rookie, obviously we're grading on a scale, but for a rookie, you, you have to say he's been very good. Absolutely. Especially no, recently. It, for the rookie class, he's been great, yeah. and he might even win offensive play. Nah, it's going to be Jamar Chase. But regardless, mm. you know, let's let's see what happens. But I wouldn't bet on him winning offensive player of the year, but he might win rookie. Whatever. There's a whole bunch of things he could win. He's been great for a rookie. In comparison to other quarterbacks, he's not in the same league as Mahomes. He's not in the same league as Aaron Rodgers. He's not in the same league even as Russell Wilson, who just got shut out. Like, he's, he's just – he's not on that part yet. The team is good. You know, Damian Harris is good. That defense is great, extremely well coached. But if you're asking me if they go up against Buffalo, if they go up against Baltimore, if they go up against Kansas City, do I think that they're going to win? No, no, I don't. They beat an injury riddled Cleveland team, thrashed them, but beat an injury riddled Cleveland team. When push comes to shove, are they in that elite category? Not yet. Let's see what year two brings for Mac Jones, but like not yet. Just to put on record, though, they lost to Tampa in a game that was exceedingly close. We know they lost to the Cowboys in overtime. So it's not like they are, you know, this like middling team that's losing more than they're winning. Like, obviously, it's not just that they're winning games, even the games they've lost. And, and you'd expect as the season goes along, they will continue. Mac Jones will. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I can say continue to get better because it's not like he's, you know, going to end the year as like the new Tom Brady, but you know, the more comfortable he gets in theory, the better he, he can continue to play. The defense has been great. So I don't Did you know. see them I, winning more than one playoff game. Probably not. I, I just, I, it's so hard with a rookie quarterback. Like it's just, you don't really see that very often. And I, as good as Mac Jones has been, I don't see him as like this transcendent player that's all of a sudden going to, you know, in year one, take the paths to the Super Bowl. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like, not yet. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I, if I yeah. had to bet on Mac Jones winning a Super Bowl ever over under half a Super Bowl, I'm taking the over, you know, like, absolutely. Wow. I think he'll win it. I think Bill Belichick will win another Super Bowl. And it might even be next year, depending on what they do in the offseason and how much people progress. I just don't think it's this year. I don't think they are good enough yet. Now, however, when we talk about good enough teams, Jared, you and I refused to throw in the towel on the Kansas City Chiefs this year. We have refused. This week, we were rewarded for our faith in the thrashing that they gave to the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday Night Football. Patrick Mahomes throwing for 400 yards, five touchdowns, his third such game in his career, tied for the most ever, and he's only 26. Jared, the Chiefs back. I'm not ready to say they are back as the chief like they are legit the chiefs again I, I i need to see it at least for another week because they've basically gone through it's more than a month now five or six weeks where they just looked broken and it's not to say that these guys are like over the hill right obviously mahomes is not over the hill he's in what year four over the hill that hill tyreek hill i see what you nice did there. nice what you did there. tyreek hill definitely not over the hill travis kelsey I don't think he's over, you know, you want to say he's on the back end of his prime, maybe, but he's still like in that prime period. He's not going to just, I don't think, I don't, I refuse to believe he's just fallen off the cliff. So it's not a question of that. It's more like they have to do something to show us they've corrected these flaws. 
one game against the Raiders is especially like the Raiders situation. It's just weird. Cause like they're five and four overall, they've been obviously a pretty good team. They were playing really well. They won the week after the Gruden thing. And we were like, wow, the Raiders, that's pretty impressive. And then obviously of the Henry Ruggs thing, which off the field is way more important, but nonetheless, they come back the week after they lose to the giants who neither of us think are very good. And then this mm-hmm. week they get absolutely roasted by Kansas city I just have to see Kansas City do it again to say like, okay, the Chiefs are like back, back to being the top dogs or at least like 1B in the AFC. But do I think they're going to get there? I do. Bobby, we've talked Chiefs. We've talked Pats. You've mentioned the AFC North a number of times, the Ravens, the Browns. You talked about Jamar Chase. Well, that division is maybe the most confusing in the league. You have the Ravens at 6-2 and going to Miami on Thursday night looking like maybe one of the best teams in the league, maybe the best team in the league, and they lose to the lowly Miami Dolphins this week. You have Cleveland coming off a really impressive win against Cincinnati, get absolutely destroyed by the aforementioned Mac Jones and the Pats. You have the Bengals on bye this week, so nothing to say about them. But after as good as they looked a few weeks ago beating the Ravens, we talked in the past, they lost to the Jets and then got destroyed by the Browns. Then you have the Steelers, who – Granted, like, didn't have Ben Roethlisberger, but still, like, to tie at home to the Detroit Lions, I just don't really know what more there is to say. So at this point in time, Bobby, week 10, who do you see as the front runner to win that division? I don't know, man. I, I'm, I, like, I, I literally started this by saying I don't want to do predictions anymore because they're just always wrong. So if they're always wrong, then I should probably choose the team that I want to lose. So yep. I'm picking Baltimore. <laughs> I think they're the most talented. I think despite their loss to Miami, which the game was actually never close, which is super weird, especially with their backup quarterback getting hurt, right? Jacoby Brissett goes, de- goes down and then they replace him with their starting quarterback who's hurt. Yep. I, it, was, it was very weird. The whole thing was weird and they, they killed him. I guess it's Baltimore. You know, I think Cincinnati will make a run for it. I can't. I can't see a world where Pittsburgh wins this division. It just seems Agreed. unlikely to me. Cleveland, I don't think is out of it. You know, if Chubb and Hunt come back and that team runs through them as it should in the offensive line, then like the team's still good. I don't, you know, they, they got blown out by the Pats, but again, it's one game. Name me a team in the NFL right now. Who's a contender who hasn't had a bad loss. I can't name one, even Dallas, right? Like Dallas got yep. wrecked by Denver. So, I'll take the Ravens with the caveat that it could be anybody. And that's, I'm like hedging my bets, but that's the truth. I could see literally each one of those teams pulling it out. I'll take the Ravens as having, I guess, the best player in that division. Before we switch to the NFC though, Bobby, we have to talk to Lions for one quick second. I, we have to go back to the tapes because I don't know if you said the Lions will not yep. win a game or the Lions will lose every game. So if the Lions finish, Oh, 16 and one. Will you have been right? Can you take a victory lap, Bobby? I mean, I'm going on your word here, your honor. So I feel fairly confident. What I said was the lions will definitively not win a game and go. Oh, and 17. So I kind of like, so you did both. <laughs> I think I did both. If I, 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 we have to go back and check, but I'm just saying, Oh, eight and one. I have no idea who they're playing the rest of the way. There's only eight games left. Can they pull one out? With Jared Kovic, quarter, I, uh, I'm going to take a victory lap, man. If they go 0-16-1, I'm taking a victory lap. That's a win for me. But 
As speaking of wins, Jared, my Washington football team has a signature win, and they did it against the guy who you and I both know sucks, Tom Brady. <laughs> Washington pulls out a 29 to 19 win, finishing the game with a 10 and a half minute, 19 play, 80 yard touchdown drive that drained pretty much the entire fourth quarter to cap it off on a fourth and goal that Antonio Gibson runs in to seal the game. Jared, are you more impressed by Washington or more disappointed in Tampa Tom? I will answer that question, Bobby, but I want to ask you a quick question first because it's now clear based on last year's playoff game where he almost pulled it out and yesterday's win. Taylor Heineke clearly owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He owns Tom Brady. I mean, he is this new generation of quarterbacks, Eli Manning. So if you are the Rams, Bobby, and you know you have to get through the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are you calling up Dan Snyder today and being like, all right, Stafford for Heineke, let's get it done? I don't see any other way, right? Like, you know Brady's kryptonite is Taylor Heineke. You're right. He's the new Eli Manning. So why would you not put yourself in? Like, go ahead, make the trade. Even like trade anyone else, keep Stafford, play Stafford for every other game. But then when you play Tampa, you play Taylor Heineke and you win the game. Noted. Okay. Now to your question, I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to give you two answers here. I'm more disappointed in Tampa because Washington stinks and Tampa was coming off a bad loss and a buy, but like the bad loss before they lost to Trevor Simeon. What was it? Two weeks ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Then they go into mm-hmm. a bye week to come out this week after you have that bad loss and lose to Washington. To me, that's, that's pretty damn disappointing in terms of who do I think it matters for more like going forward, probably Washington, because I don't think like Tampa, this doesn't change the way I think of them. They are, in that top tier of Super Bowl contenders with whoever else we want to put in there, the Rams, the Packers, and then who are, I mean, the Cowboys, whoever else in the, in the AFC you want to include this, you know, losing to Washington as, as bad as it is, doesn't make me think that they're no longer a Super Bowl contender Washington. It's tough. Cause like they lost chase young. So that's obviously a huge blow to them, but look, they're three and six. It's probably too late to get it totally turned around. And I'm not convinced that the defense has done that, especially now losing chase young, but, I don't know. Maybe this gives them a little juice. Maybe they, you know, their, their division, obviously they're not going to win the division. The Cowboys are going to win that, but you still have games left with the giants. I think you've got two games against the Eagles. So like, and and two against Dallas. Well, you're not, let's just say, if you're not going to beat Dallas, you at least have three winnable games in the division, right? So Mm -hmm. they're not going to win the division, but is it possible if they win all three of those games, which they probably won't, but if they do, could they make, they'll be in the hunt. You know, that graphic on at the end of the year where it's like, on the bubble and then in the hunt, they'll at least be in the hunt. It's weird because you say in the hunt and, you know, ESPN recently put up that graphic of like division winners, wildcard teams and in the hunt and the Washington football team is on that list. Right. Because like the seventh playoff seed right now, I think is what five and four, maybe. Yep. You know, and let's just say those are three winnable games. They play the Panthers winnable. They play an atrocious Seattle team right now. Yeah. Winnable. Vegas, winnable. Like, it's not going to happen. But there's a world where this team could go nine and eight. You know, we finish five and two down the stretch. I don't know. But I will say, like, how much are you giving any leeway to the fact that Antonio Brown and Gronk and several players on the D are, are injured? Like, 
how much leeway are we giving to that versus like they just looked bad, you know, like Tom Brady made a throw. He, he had two interceptions in the first quarter, one of which wasn't on him. The other of which was just a horrific throw, like really bad. You know, is, is, is this just like an anomaly or, or what? I think it's more, more of that. I think, yeah, it's like, I think it's more the the injuries because, you know, we've watched Brady now for what feels like 500 years as good as he looks like the offense is based on precision, right? It's like, he still has a good arm, but it's not like he's, you know, making a, he's got a cannon. He's making these crazy plays. He's scrambling. It's like the, the way that offense works is like, you have to, if you're a receiver, you're, you're expected to be at a certain spot when the ball gets there. Like if you're a step off, you're not going to make the play and the offense looks terrible. Obviously Brown was out. Gronk was out. Godwin was limited. They're relying on these guys like Tyler Johnson and Durden, these guys that are just not as precise as the guy, understandably, as the guys that they are behind on the depth chart. And so I think that's probably why it's looked the way it has for the last few weeks. I wouldn't be too worried about them moving forward. Let's talk about another team we might be worried about. Jared, one to 10, you can't use decimals. 10 being you think it is time to sound all of the alarms, one being you're not worried at all. Where are you on the panic meter for the Three and six Seattle Seahawks who got shut out by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I would say an eight or somewhere right around there. I mean, Russell Wilson makes this miraculous recovery, spending 19 hours a day rehabbing his finger. And to be honest, he looked like a guy who had been on like three hours of sleep for the last month because he was absolutely terrible yesterday. Now, do I think Russell Wilson is like all of a sudden not good anymore? No, but it, it appears that he is not, He's, he wasn't ready to play yet. And I'm not sure that's going to change significantly in one week. It could, but I don't know that I'd want to bet on that. And now they're three and six. You look at their schedule the rest of the way. They've got the Cardinals this week. If Kyler Murray's back, if Hopkins back, it's obviously a very tough game. Then they've got Washington winnable game. I mean, you just said it's winnable for Washington. It's, obviously no, it's, it's, winnable it's a winnable game. hundred yeah, percent. Sure. They've got the Niners winnable game Texans. They absolutely should win. Then they've got the Rams. Very tough game. The Bears, the Lions, and then the Cardinals again. So basically, they have two games left against the Cardinals, one against the Rams. If they lose all three of those games, which is very conceivable, you're talking about, at best, an 8-9 and nine team. That could sneak them into the playoffs, but there's no guarantee they're going to do that. And even if they do, at 8-9, and nine, are they a legitimate threat to do anything? Probably not. And then, you know, my panic is not just for that. It's for this, after the season. Like, they just went through this whole ordeal with Russell Wilson – if they go eight and nine and miss the playoffs, is Russell Wilson just sitting back and being like, oh, it's cool, we'll run it back next year? I don't know. It probably puts more pressure on them than he even put last offseason to get traded. So we're looking at what could be the end of this entire regime, this era of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Which is why I think your number is low. I think the number is 10 because I totally agree with you. If we say that they lose both games to Arizona and LA and they win out, they're eight and nine. I don't think eight and nine is good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. Just an opinion. It could be wrong, but I'm going to say that it's not. So they don't make the playoffs. They have a middle of the road draft pick, and you have a quarterback. Yeah, no, they, they don't have the first pick. But their first That's pick right. is the Jets. That's right. So I mean, what are you left with? Yeah, no, it's a ten. I am freaking out if I'm a Seahawks fan right now. This is this is bad. You know, who else was freaking out yesterday, Bobby Cam Newton in his return, <laughs> not just to the NFL to the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. and what was undoubtedly the best story of the week. Cause Bobby, I mean, 
we'll incorporate another segment in right here. Tell me I'm wrong. The NFL is more fun when Cam Newton is playing. Yeah, no, I agree. The NFL is absolutely more fun. He's also just like an anomaly in terms of an athlete, right? Very few people can do what he does or at least what he did. And it was very, very, very cool to see him come in like very first play, get a quarterback run and just plows his way into the end zone. That was really cool. That was fun. I, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Carolina. Not this coming week against Washington, but after that, although it's going to be fun, right? You got Cam and Ron Rivera. That's it's going to be interesting. It's funny because, like, essentially he is – he could be like Derrick Henry but, like, able to throw the ball. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen now because I think his, his days as an elite quarterback are done. I think we've seen that the last few years. But, like, I, there's nothing scarier. If you are the opposition, there's nothing scarier than, like, you're down at the goal line and Cam Newton is coming in to like run the offense. Like I I still have no idea how, how the Panthers were ever stopped inside the five yard line with Cam Newton at quarterback. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. I I'm, I'm rooting for him. Jared, we're going to run a very quick rapid fire. I'm going to ask you questions. Hit me. You ready? Do it. Sons have won eight in a row. Real contender in the Western conference. Should I do it again, Bobby? Should I be that same guy <laughs> as I was last year? No, I can't. I mean, look, they, I, they, they made me eat my words last year. They went all the way to the NBA Finals. They appear to be on that same track this year. Yes, they are. As long as their big guys are healthy, as long as Chris Paul is healthy, as long as Devin Booker's playing for this season, we'll see what happens beyond with DeAndre Ayton. But for this season, they are 1,000% an NBA Finals contender, Bobby. We talked about your Washington football team with the big victory this week. We haven't spent a lot of time on your Washington Wizards, probably the best surprise so far in the NBA. Are you more impressed by what the Wizards have done or disappointed in what the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks have done to this point? Yeah, if we can agree that, like, you can't really get a feel for a team until at least, like, 25 games. You know, the Wizards are 9-3, and three, the Bucks are 6-8. and eight. I'm more impressed by the Wizards. The Wizards completely, again, overhauled their roster in a big trade for Russell Westbrook, bringing in guys like Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell. You know, and they have guys other than Bradley Beal that can score, and it's showing. You know, they they even won a close game with a pretty good 9-5 and five Cavs team this year without much contribution from Bradley Beal. Yep. That's pretty big. I'm going to take a, a, a flyer on the Wizards and say I'm more impressed by them than they are at disappointed in the bucks i think the bucks will figure it out and finally jared early season favorite if you had to pick the finals right now who is it going to be and who wins it's going to be and this would be great for the nba they would love this matchup it's going to be brooklyn and golden state durant going back to golden state to beat the warriors steph curry trying to do what would be an incredible achievement win a championship pre-durant with Durant and post Durant, I think he would cement himself. If it happened, he's like cementing himself as like literally one of the all-time greats. That's my pick for right now, Bobby. Jared, you and I have had a lot of creativity on this podcast. We've come up with some, some segments that have worked and some that have been, you know, total train wrecks. But I think one long-standing tradition of this show is to do perhaps my favorite segment, could it work and i think it's time i think it's time we bring it back man i think i got a good one that i think is at least worth discussing now maybe you'll tell me i'm crazy but i think it's one worth discussing are you ready for this i've been itching for a good could it work for weeks now so yeah lay it on me okay this week the seattle seahawks got shut out by the green bay packers 17 to nothing now if you get shut out in any sport no matter what it is pretty frustrating 
emotions <laughs> may boil over. They did at the end of that game where Seattle Seahawks star wide receiver DK Metcalf grabs the face mask of another player, gets thrown out of the game and gets ejected. Now, this got me thinking, Jared, there are sports for which an ejection means more than others. If you get ejected from a baseball game, they just replace you. But in soccer, but in soccer, Jared, there's 11 guys on the field. If you get ejected from the game, let's say you get a red card, you aren't replaced. You now have to suffer the consequence of that ejection by being out. Now your your team is now down a player for the remainder of that game. Could it work, Jared? In I'm just going to leave it open to any sport other than soccer of the four major ones that this could be a rule that if you're ejected from the game, your team now has to play minus a player. You may not field the appropriate amount of players for that game for the remainder of that game. Could it work? I mean, my gut reaction to this, Bobby, was like, wow, that sounds crazy. But like when you actually think about it and we can quickly go through each of the sports, like I guess it kind of could like there's no reason it couldn't. Right. So hockey is the easiest one. They already do this when you go on a power play. Right. You play a man down. So it's obviously physically exhausting for the guys, you know, who are a man down, like covering an extra guy. The the puck tends to be in their zone for the majority of the time, because, of course, the other team has an advantage. But, you know, we see it done you know, oftentimes for like 10 minutes of game time. So Mm -hmm. could it be done? I I guess the question more is like, is it too much of a disadvantage? Like they do it in hockey for two minutes. Could they do it for in theory, 40 minutes. If a guy gets thrown out at the end of the first period, you go to baseball. Obviously it's not the same comparison, but you do sometimes see in baseball, like a team at the end of a game will pull in a guy from the outfield and make him a fifth infielder and they'll play with two outfielders. Cause they know like, all right, a certain ball. Like if it gets to this point, we're not gonna be able to throw a guy out anyway. I wonder, I guess that's what you would do in baseball, right? Like if you, if your shortstop, let's say got thrown at, so, okay. It wouldn't have to be a one for one, right? Like meaning to say, let's say if it's in baseball, if your shortstop gets thrown out, does that mean you can't play with a shortstop the rest of the game? Or like you can reconfigure You're just a man down. No, I think you can reconfigure. And to that okay. end, and to that end, I actually think in baseball, it's not as complicated as you might think. If you play with a man down, then at that point, I would keep my three outfielders and just play basically a shift right. every hitter, right? Like if it's a left-handed hitter, then you have your first and second baseman. Yeah. And you got right. your, your left-sided infield. It's just a shift every batter. Yeah. No, you're you're right. I guess they kind of do that or like, yeah, they, they right now, essentially, they challenge all these guys to hit it where like to hit it the other way anyway, mm-hmm. and very few of them do. So I guess that is pretty doable. And it, you know what? It's, it's kind of crazy, but like in a certain way, I guess like in one game it wouldn't matter. I was going to say like you almost I'm not going to say you have an advantage, but like if you only have to get Mike Trout up like once every eight guys instead of once every nine you might get an extra at bat. Like it's not the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, football football's the one like when i first thought about it because this is obviously the example that was, was metcalf i was like how would you do this on defense like you'd have one guy constantly open but then it's like no if you can reconfigure so like let's say you lose a defensive back you just play with one less d lineman and you you insert a defensive back so instead of like if you normally rush with four guys on the line you'd only have three guys rushing and you'd have like still 10 guys on the field but you know 
between linebackers and D-backs, seven guys, three linemen, obviously like it's going to hurt you because you're not going to get as much pressure on the quarterback, but you still have enough guys to cover. It's not, you know, you'd have to have multiple ejections before that became an issue. I actually think interestingly enough, the, the biggest issue on any sport is in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Like if you're yeah. constantly playing five on four, it's going to be almost impossible for you to win that game. Like it's just, it's not going to happen in baseball. If you have eight guys at the plate, you can find a way to mash. Like you could theoretically out hit your opponent. Yep. In, in football, I completely agree. It shifts, right? You may not get as much pass rush, but like there's a world where you can win that game in hockey. I also agree with the same. If it's five on four in the NBA, you're playing zone the whole game. They're going to yeah. dissect the zone. Like you just throw a guy, your big man in the middle there, pass it out to him. You play inside out ball. And that's, yeah, you're, you're very, probably, very to defend. it's, <laughs> it's, it's like four Draymond greens. It's very tough. Exactly. It's, it's going to be nearly impossible. But, but like, I will say, we saw this. You would you would know this probably better than me because you're more of a college basketball fan. I remember, wasn't there a game a few years ago where, like, when Colin Sexton was on Alabama, that they had to, for whatever reason, I don't remember what the story was, that they had to play a portion of the game four on five and, like, they actually won the game? I got to look it up right now. Go ahead. It's I'm, a great I'm question. do some research here. It's a great question. I mean, like, I just I, – I think this is more doable than – I think maybe initially given credit, right? Like it, it decentivizes, you know, doing absurd things to get yourself objected, objected, to get yourself ejected, excuse me. Whether that means right in football, you know, stomping on a player while he's down, you know, or in baseball, like freaking out at the manager or something other crazy. Now, some may say, well, that makes it, you know, that's taking away the energy and then whatever. And it gives too much power to the referees. But I would argue that it even creates a more fun atmosphere. Like how cool would it be to watch any of these sports knowing that that team's a man down, like all the different packages that they could throw out there, all the different formations. I think that this could add a really fun element to things. And I think it would make the most interest in like baseball. And I would even go as far as to say that like, if the manager gets ejected, then like you're down a player and you just have to like figure it out. <laughs> like I would, I would love to see that, you know, you get like, I, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Like uh, Joe Girardi goes out there he's arguing balls and strikes and the umpire's like, you know what, forget it. I'm throwing him out. He throws him out. Now you got to figure out what to do. Right. You got eight players. How do you play them? Like that'd be so fun to watch. It, no, you know what? It, it does intrigue me. The idea it's funny. Cause like I said, when you first proposed this to me, I'm like, no, it really like, it sounds crazy. How could you ever, but like they do, why should soccer be so different than the rest of them? Like yeah. you would think, you know, I get, it, it's like a much larger field. So like, but in, in theory, that's, that's almost worse. Cause you have like more ground to cover with one fewer guy. I just, I want to point this. I want to go back to this because this is what I was just talking about. This is crazy. <laughs> this is a few years. It was 2017. Alabama was playing against Minnesota and there was a brawl in the game. So the entire bench, Alabama's entire bench got ejected. So they had five players eligible to play. One guy fouled out and then one guy got hurt and couldn't play. So they were literally down to three guys. They played three on five for the last 10 minutes of the game. They were down 11 when that started. And they actually, they cut it down. They, they ended up losing the game. Is it 89, 84? So like That's they actually insane. outscored the team. <laughs> Minnesota's a Big Ten team. Like, that's a legitimate team. It's crazy. It says with 12 minutes left, Alabama was forced to play with just five players. But then one minute later, a guy fouled out. And then another minute later, a guy got hurt. 
Yeah, despite being absurdly shorthanded, the Crimson Tide outscored the Gophers 30-22 with a two-man advantage to cut the lead to just three points over a minute to go. They didn't complete the comeback, but that you know what, is man? Listen, we usually end these segments by, you know, going, you know, one to 10 on yep. enjoyment and entertainment and one to 10 on like, is this actually doable? You know what, man? I, maybe I'm biased. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 on both. I think this is a win-win on every level. I, I don't know what the downside is. And maybe I'm just like overexcited about this. Like, can you identify a, 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 what, what's, what's the downside here? The downside is, is it too punitive? Now you're saying mm-hmm. to me, soccer does it, but like, and I get that. I mean, it might still be too punitive for soccer. So like, you know, in the NBA, if a guy gets, you know, let's say you get a flagrant one, which is, you know, a, a, a hard foul, but not necessarily something you need to get thrown out of the game. And then you get a technical for arguing with a referee. So you've got two technicals. You got to get thrown out of the game. Should your team be forced to play? Like, if you're saying to me, this is like a scenario where a guy punched another guy in the face. Should his team have to play four on five? Like I could hear that more than saying like, all right, in a situation where, or like in baseball, you know, you're the, you're a relief pitcher. You come into a game where a team where your team already got warned and you like, it just slips and you hit a guy in the butt. Like you clearly weren't trying to hit a guy. And now your team has to play down one player. Like it's probably too punitive, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't be fun to watch. Okay, so what? All right, so one to ten on the entertainment and the realistic scale. Entertainment, I would say, I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an okay. eight because, like, okay. I just worry. Like you said, in the NBA, it would be hard. Like, essentially, it feels like the game's over. I know I just told this crazy story about Alabama, but like, how could you actually win playing four on five? Like, ninety nine percent of the time, you're gonna lose, right? Right. And then in the NHL, say like baseball, you're right. Baseball is the one that maybe you can get away with it, and football to a degree. Hockey, though, like to play a man down, it's so physically tiring to do that for two periods worth. Like it's for five minutes, you can do it for 40 minutes. That's really tough. Realistic, will they ever do this? No, there's no <laughs> chance in hell. There's no, I mean, we, we uh, me and you will be on a roster, an NFL roster, and putting up numbers before <laughs> this actually happens. Oh, Jared. I, you know what, man? I'm going to hold out hope. I, yeah, I don't want to kill I, your dream. I love it. I still think it could work. No matter how many times you get knocked down, Jared, you only have to beat Tom Brady once to feel great. <laughs> and that is what Washington did. That has no relation to anything that I'm about to say, but it is important that we remind ourselves this every week. I'm going to make this a weekly bit. It's important. Jared, this has been great. I've had a blast. It's been great. We even had Could It Work come on. I mean, come on. This is this is the creme de la creme. Next week's going to be great. Don't miss out. Doesn't get any better than this, Bobby, except for next week, maybe. Keep coming back. Keep listening to Chatter Up. Thank you for all of you who have already rated, reviewed, and subscribed. Thank you for all of you who have sent feedback. It's been wild, though. So if you have done it and you haven't done it in a while, get in touch with us. Thank you for all of you who continue to listen. And most importantly, thank you to you, Taylor Heineke, for doing the Lord's work yesterday. Love it. He is the greatest. Jared, I'll see you, and I will see everyone else next time next week on the next Chatter Up.